0: Dark Satellite
1: Media I'm over here now
0: No need for introduction, it's the drunken monk Turn this shit up a little, son my am up in smoke, sipping McCarty Till I'm giving my cockies to Jimmy for Ferrari And we out, got to go jump in a mosh pit Full of hundreds of hot chicks Saying something obnoxious like I gotta put my foot in your ass, Permit. When I'm done, i cook you in a Brooklyn blast furnace I hate my boss I hate the people that I work with I hate my parents I hate all these authoritative figures, I hate politicians, I hate people in government, I hate the police, and now I have a chance to be with a bunch of my my own type of people, and I have a chance to go off, and that's basically what it was. It was like a comet hitting a planet, you know what I mean? It came out of left field. Normal people did not listen to hardcore, and we liked it that way. It
1: was fast. It was loud, it was angry, it
0: was unpredictable. We were just kids going wild. The brute animal strength of it and the power and the ferocity was off the map. They're knocking guys out, they chase a guy underneath a car, we're trying to pull him out and beat him. Smacks him right in the face, his nose breaks, blood everywhere, mayhem. The scene in Los Angeles was spreading out like if you spill a bucket of water. The circle jerks
1: and black flag were torque. so they're pollinating. It was like a pebble that had a ripple
0: effect. If you're looking for radicalism in the 1980s, you should look at hardcore. It sounds like someone's exaggerating. When they tell you the story, it sounds like, oh, yeah, you're just making it up. No, I've never seen anything like it. We're over here now. Uh, The Brooklyn Blast Frontiers podcast is sponsored by Generation Records, located at 210 Thompson Street. Here in the West Village, because we happen to be in the West Village. Um, Check them out on Instagram at generation records go to generation um if you're not in the area and you cannot go to the brick and mortar spot you can order anything that they have online at generationrecords.com. um follow them on twitter at generation rex and uh obviously just you could just go to facebook and just type in Gener- generation records and give them a follow or whatever but it's one of the last you know record stores around one of the best and uh Mark's a good guy, and shout-out to Ron Grimaldi. Uh, they treat me well over there. So once again, go to uh, Generation Records on Instagram. And like I said, if you're in the West Village, they're located at 210 Thompson Street. Um, also, this podcast is also sponsored by New Republic Printing. Um, NewRepublicPrinting.net. Go there. There's no screen setup fees. There's free shipping to commercial addresses. Um, I say this all the time, but I always throw the numbers around. If you get 100,000 shirts made and you have... A 1,000 boxes delivered. It doesn't cost you an extra dime. I don't know any other place that does that, especially with no screen fees. Um, New Republic Printing on Instagram and Republic Print on Twitter. And like I said, newrepublicprinting.net online and go check out what they have. They can print anything that you want on on anything that you want. And with that, episode 144 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. My man, it's, I, I have like the shitty and grim because it's one of those moments where it's, it's, it's one of those moments where it's like only because of the podcast will I have the opportunity to sit down and have a one-on-one, off-the-cuff conversation mm-hmm. with my new friend, Stephen Blush. What's up, my man? How are you doing? Good. Or, author, filmmaker, journalist. I mean, American hardcore, American hand metal, Lost Rockers, New York Rock. Seconds Magazine, uh, the, art of, the Art of Conversation, yeah, I'm... And, and I'm sure you're going to fill me in on much more that uh, you've done doing. and am doing good to be here. Yeah. You're in your house, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> comfortable. You have your socks on, yeah. nice and comfortable. Know, I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling chillin too, man. Yeah. Thank you for
1: inviting me to your home. Fantastic. It's good to be here. This is a good podcast. I'm glad to do
0: it. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad that you're uh, willing to do it. And yeah, it was yeah. quick. I was like, hey, man, you know, I, like I said, but before we recorded, I didn't know where you live. I don't yeah, know yeah. if you're busy. I don't know if you live somewhere. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I just throw it out yeah, there. Works. You yeah. were talking about, uh, generation records i
1: bought a lot of records there yes and uh i don't go there anymore i don't look at those boxes of seven inches anymore because they've already been cleared out of all the stuff that i'm usually looking for or if it's a price that i can't afford anymore oh
0: man yeah as as we as i walk through your home i i glance and i'm sure when we're done i I have to like kind of look a little bit i'm not going to go looking through but i just want to take a look because you have a ridiculous record collection. And yeah, I get it. Like, well, it's like, what don't you have? Like, what is, is, is there, all right, here, here's a, a question. Cause it comes off the top of my head. Is there something that you have, or is there something that you don't have that's like, it's like your Holy grail that you just haven't gotten yet that you need to have in your collection? Cause you probably oh, have, yeah, that's
1: a, such a hard question, but you know, there's like, I always think about like the records you, you can't find that you had. Like, I I was just, like, looking, like... The oh, there you had Hardcore, already? And like, then... in the American Hardcore book, I have a copy of... Uh, the minor threat test pressing that I have.
0: Oh my god! And you but, still uh, have it or no?
1: It's I don't know. It's at the middle of that pile. That oh my god! Is really? There. And it is an alphabetized thing, but I don't see it there, so it makes me think it's missing. But why would that record be missing? So
0: because it's the minor threat test press.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Now you got to go through the role of Dixon, in your mind who was in your house.
1: Yeah, but if they wouldn't know, because it's, <laughs> it's just it's such a. <laughs> It's my mess. I don't know
0: where it <laughs> Yeah. See, if I had a collection like that, I just very, I mean, very recently started getting back into collecting a little bit of vinyl. Mm-hmm. I always have a huge, huge into it, but I had a decent mm-hmm. collection. And this is like when my daughter was first born and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I was like, you know what? I have bills to pay. Let me just mm-hmm. get rid of it. And I kicked myself in the ass. Mm-hmm. I kicked myself. And not that I had like Holy Grail type craziness, but like Sick of It All is like my favorite band. But mm-hmm. I had like First Pressing of the 7-inch and stuff like that that... It's like, man, I wish I still had that shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I'm, I'm I am I'm replenishing my stuff now.
1: I found that demo cassette. Sick of it all demo cassette. Really, you know,
0: it's the first one. Yeah, sure. I passed around.
1: Yeah, I found the it.
0: one with uh, Calvin swinging the bat yeah. at the world. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Really, I found out the other day. Really. Um. Did you get it? You bought it?
0: No, no, I had it. Just, oh, oh just, you yeah, fat! Oh, see, yeah. see. Now I have to yeah. realize where I'm at. I found it amongst yeah. your That's stuff. stuff. Yeah, Not yeah. like you found it like in a record store online or something. I get it.
1: Right. Well, there was a few parts to it. it. Was like I was publishing a magazine, Seconds Magazine, and I was editor at Paper Magazine, and I wrote for High Times, and I was like the first guy writing about like rock and punk bands for High Times. Really? Yes. Yeah, so. But what year was that? early mid nineties. Okay. You know, and most of the time back then the record companies didn't even want their bands like in high time. Yeah. No, actually what they would do is they give you somebody of the band's phone number and they'd say like, don't tell, tell them where you got this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's how, anyway, but that's, that's a, huh. that's just an aside. But anyway, so as a journalist, I was amassing a lot of stuff as in, and I was a DJ, and I was a collector and pe- you know, I was always out, so people would give me their tapes or their records or their singles. Sure. Plus I was into it all, you know, you know, and you know, so I'm uh, uh glad to hold on to it all, but it's uh it's my history. You know yeah. that's how I look at it. You know, uh music isn't music's such a deep thing. It's kind of like uh it's a currency that you can't I, yeah know? i agree 100 percent. yeah so it's like and i also like love the idea of there's people i know from all different walks of life who i immediately bond with or i've known forever and we really have zero in common other than this music sure you know? oh without
0: a doubt like yeah. this is like a couple of years ago and i'm sure it was m- Maybe more, it depends probably on what neighborhood you were in. Like, maybe like on the Lower East Side in like 1982 it was completely mm-hmm. different. But I was like in Bay Ridge at my old job, and I'm wearing like a Mad Ball t shirt. It's the middle of the summer. And I'm walking across, I'm just walking down the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, like, somebody who I've never seen before in my life from across Fourth Avenue screams at me, Yo, Mad Ball! Like, New York. And I was just like, Well, that's kind of odd nowadays. But you know what? I like that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like a part of my tribe. Yeah, yeah, You know? So it's like, I don't I don't know his name. I've never seen him before. But it's just like, you could just, you know, I see somebody with a shirt. Like, well, sometimes nowadays, you got to, you know, there's, there's a whole fashion, the culture, the whole, what is that, Uh. you know, just stealing the whole culture. What is that, culture vulture shit? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like all these, you know, Celebrities wearing like Ted Kennedy's patches—they have no idea what the hell it is. But I saw a girl recently; she had a Slayer shirt on. She thought it was a designer. It's insane! It's insane. Well, that's why you know Gary Holt—you know the Kardashians—had the Slayer shirt on. You don't even know. Oh well, well one of the Kardashians was wearing a Slayer shirt. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's like Gary Holt, the guitar player, obviously took over for Jeff Hanneman. Was he didn't like that. You know, it's like, these fucking, these girls don't know what the hell we are. And they mm-hmm. no clue of what we are, what we've done, and nothing. So he made a whole, uh, you know, he made a bunch of shirts, and it's uh, killed the Kardashians <laughs> wearing around the world. It was great. It's just like, yo, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. And I see it constantly, especially nowadays. I see, like, I see so many people. It's like, I could be wrong here and there, but a vast majority have no idea why they're wearing like that, metal up your ass Metallica t-shirt yeah. you know what I mean it's like nah dude yeah you know you use the word tribe before you know you noticed that American hardcore's
1: a tribal history oh yeah, and that, yeah and that, absolutely and that's uh, I I don't know if I was the first to pick up on that but I was really struck by um I used to tour a lot with bands like early on in the 80s so you could tell that there were like these little tribes amongst this sea of nothing of Americana. Right. That like all within it, you know, you'd go to, uh, you know, whatever town, and you would see you'd see that band with that logo, and you yeah, know, and so it's was, it was a really deep thing, and uh that's you know why the end pages of the book are all the logos of the bands because yes. those were tri- you know like I remember the first time I saw. The dudes in crucifix and they had their crucifix tattoo yeah and you know, i'm like this is so deep yeah you know this is more than music absolutely you know this is like so much deeper than like all the shit everybody around me is and like you know i'm separating myself from your society without you know, that you know so it's like i realized the currency again bring back to that is um there's just a power about this you know i know rock stars i know street people i know college professors i know high school dropouts and we all kind of have the same conversations because we're all part of this thing sure and it's deep and uh it's kind of like i guess it's like the army veterans you know you like kind of pick up on like where you were from yesterday, because you experienced this thing that nobody else did. Absolutely. So, There's a bond there. Yeah, so that's why New York hardcore resonates so deep, because that was like the first, I mean, okay, so my my thing was, I was, uh, my dad was total Brooklyn, you know, Sheep said Bay. Like, huh all that stuff. Like, yeah, he was something. Like, for he me. was like, yeah, it was like something out of like Lords of Flatbush. Awesome, like that. <laughs> you know, but he like uh, he worked in the city in the Lower East Side. Okay, right around the corner from CB's when it was battled in the bad old days, and uh, but he married a woman from Jersey. So I kind of have a little bit of all of that, but I really grew up in Jersey. So okay. I had the safety of that. What but, part? Uh, Central Jersey, New Brunswick.
0: Okay. I lived in, I lived in East Brunswick for a little while. I lived yeah. in Oldbridge for a little while. i mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah.
1: That's the whole, uh, that's the whole thing. Yeah. That's, and that's the whole, that was my connection to mm-hmm. Metallica and all that was, that was Megaforce Records. That's right, Johnny Z. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, that, that was a big thing. So that, that was a big crossover. That was like heavy. That yeah. was like the only... That was the first time I met metal people who could hang with the
0: punkers. Yeah. yeah. That was like the whole, like, they it's like the whole old bridge militia thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. overkill guys yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, too. I, I like that crew. You know, yeah. I, was,
1: I was into that, so.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I love all that trash metal stuff, too, yeah, yeah. man. But so I, yeah. so I,
1: was, I was connected a little bit to all that, but I was still more like, they didn't really like me too much because I was like, had MDC records and stuff. Oh, like God. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh-huh. They,
0: they, 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 <laughs> My the sis- nose-in-the-air metalheads. <laughs> yeah, my sister went
1: out with um, Danny Spitz of Anthrax for a while, so
0: I used to like... That's I so funny. La- I remember him laughing at my record collection. That's hysterical, because I have a... That's that's awesome that you just brought that up, because my mother and my stepfather bought a house upstate New York, 1987, up in White Lake. It's mm-hmm. literally exactly two miles from the original Woodstock site. Mm-hmm. Bought it in 1987. So for several summers up until probably like 1990, every summer, I mean the day after school ended, we would go up there. I would be up there all summer long until a couple of days before school and we'd come back down to Brooklyn. So this was 1987. I'm like a metalhead with the, with the mullet, the whole deal. All the, you know, Anthrax was my favorite band, this, that, and the other thing. We go up there. I'm starting to meet the people. It's a summer community type deal. You know, oh, I think I was wearing an Anthrax shirt or a Metallica shirt or something. And then, oh, you know, one of the guys from Anthrax, his parents lived right down the block in the same community. I'm like, really? Like, yeah, his name is like, his name is Danny Spitz. and I, And now I'm like, holy shit, as a young kid, like they're my favorite band. Among the living is like the Bible to me, you know? So I'm like, no fucking way. So now I look back and I cringe at myself because I hung out with Danny a few times upstate. But now here's this, like, fanboy, chunky kid with the mullet. And he came up there several times, but he's always off tour, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they were huge at the time. So there's me being the annoying one where he's just trying to get away from everything and there's me you saw my you know blah 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 my videotape and all this shit yeah but I wound up becoming like halfway more acquaintances with him but I know his mother very well and his father both of them rest in peace Irene and George Mm -hmm. but that's funny that you brought up Danny Spitz, because I had a few interactions with him. Somebody told me he's like a high-end
1: jeweler. He's a watchmaker. But I mean, I think it's like he walks around with a bodyguard,
0: that kind of stuff. It's possible. I think Um, it's like that level kind of stuff. Yeah, it's possible. I work right now, I work on 45th and Vanderbilt in the city, Mm -hmm. and it's a commercial building. It's called Browse Realty, but it's just a commercial building, and it's it's above, the building is above tracks 18 through 21 in Grand Central. So down in the corridor, they have, it's called Grand Central Watch. They make watches. But in the building where I work, on one of the floors is their office where they actually make everything and all that stuff. They have like lab coats on and stuff. So I became friendly with the owner and then he's like right-hand man. So uh, I did like a little side job thing for him. And uh kind of like to break the ice because I was kind of new. So t- to break the ice, I knew that Danny Spitz was a watchmaker and how can the watch community be in New York you know everyone has to know each other it's their own true little tribe mm-hmm. so I was like yeah hey, by the way do you happen to know a guy named Danny Spitz yeah. and he kind of looked at me and he cracked a smile he's like was he a musician I'm like yeah so I kind of broke the ice so yeah. anthrax has been breaking the ice <laughs> with me for, for, forever you yeah. know so another small world weird thing he, and he said that he did a video not a music video but some kind of a watch making or something obviously about watches in that thing on the 10th floor in the building where I work yeah yeah weird small world that's that's pretty cool yeah but anyway so I'm sorry <laughs> I just rambled so you know
1: this um yeah I, I realized I had this kind of cool history because you know I had my dad who was very deep Brooklyn and he worked in the Lower East Side and I spent my every weekend of my life on Christie and, Christie and uh, Stanton okay and one ninety-five Christie and when I was really young, there was a band practicing there. And they kind of vibed me out. I had to like I, I went up to watch them and they were they didn't really chase me away, but they kind of vibed me out. And I I, I left and uh cut a long story short, I realized that, that band that was practicing there and I found out that it was true it was talking heads. Really? Yeah, and that was David Byrne. And wow! I remember, I remember these dudes? Just had this vibe about him that I was like, they weren't like telling me I couldn't watch them, but I right. was like, they were like too intimidating. They were like <laughs> the whole thing. So, yeah. so I like, remember that? And um, but also, you know, all the crime and the drugs and the, oh, sure. You know, and then we were also two blocks from you know Mulberry Street and the Ravenite Social Club and oh. the whole mafia thing, of, of which we my dad, you know, spent his whole life trying to get us away from cause yeah. if we lived in Brooklyn, we would have been that. Right. Raven I was a shoe star. I shoe Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, that shit was so heavy and people don't even know it.
0: Yeah. The, they stole the original tile floor, too. Wow. Yeah, it's wow. Crazy. So,
1: like, you know, I just, like, got 20 bucks for selling a pack of, buying a pack of cigarettes for one of those guys when I was young and my dad pulled me away and, yeah. Uh, so it was cl- you know. So, so there was like all that stuff going on, and then uh, then there's this like, I'm around the corner from CBGBs, that I was one of the only places that would serve like a 13 year old <laughs> to drink back <laughs> like then. Yeah, right? man. So, and then I discovered, uh, um, Saint Mark's Place, and you know the bar, basically through the bars. Yeah. And I was also big into music, and you know like, didn't really know. I mean, I knew about the Velvet Underground and Patti Smith because they were in the New York Times and yeah. that, that was actually happening. But I was way young, yeah, right? So, sure. So, I, I actually caught a lot of amazing, amazing punk shows as a kid. Um, before, like, I'd have to go home to catch a ride with my dad back to Jersey. Right. So I had this double life. But um, what I was going to say about the punk beds, for as great as they were. I never really connected with it because they were much older. And they were very art. They were artists, and they were junkies too. Sure, right. So they're like all these reasons. They were snotty. And they just,
0: you <laughs> know, so there
1: was like a lot of things that I didn't really connect with. So um, there was a couple of years of that where I was just. But but having said that, I was all about it. Going to all these. Punk slash early new wave shows at the all well, the nightclubs of I mean that's a whole conversation in itself. I mean what what
0: year are we talking now? Approximately we're, we're talking
1: about like, you know, as we turn into seventy nine, eighty, eighty one. Okay, I was gonna know, say about eighty one ish, okay. Yeah, it gets crazy and like uh um so that was that was and, and, in er, and early eighty one I'm uh I go to college and that's um reagan had just come into power and the combination of punk rock and reagan it was like literally we fought on the streets with the cops you know i don't want to be like oh we were so badass but we were just basically marching but the cops would come in your face oh sure so i mean it was no joke and you know it was like you'd be with yippies and you know these kind of radical hippies and you'd be with you know like all sorts of like crazy groups you know and but there was a reason to to be radical. So it kind of segued into me uh, seeing the Bad Brains and early Minor Threat. Oh, so I, um, I, I'm hanging out with these bands, and I'm seeing this new kind of punk, which is um, more like me. It's suburban, right? So I had that suburban thing, and it was... Um, Jock, which I kind of was a you know was a letterman in high school. Okay. But I was kind of an outcast. Like I didn't really fit in with any of those guys. Uh-huh. So this was kind of really something that spoke to me. And, uh, and, and the and straight edge thing, while I didn't, I kind of did it for a short time, but uh, it was really just a powerful statement. <laughs> <laughs> Without well, yeah, no doubt. Yes. You know, just like, to, I'm so against you. Like, I'm anti-establishment. Anti yeah. You know, so it was like the underground to the underground. Sure. So um, I just fell in with that real deep. And I was in college, like I'm saying. So I was on a college radio show. I had my college radio show. And I what was Ian- it called? I don't yeah. think I had a name. <laughs> okay. But I had, um, <clears throat> I had Ian MacKay on a couple times. Really? And we would play, like, literally the first time people were hearing this- these Discord and Touch and Go records and uh you know playing black flag records and you know it was so it was pretty heavy so i um somewhere around that time i met the dead i was at a tsol show in new jersey because i was back in new jersey visiting my family and i went to a tsol show i want to say in like cliffside park like one of those weird towns like that Mm -hmm. And the manager was there, I was talking to him backstage, and he was also the manager of the Dead Kennedys, and they were having trouble getting a show in D.C., so I booked the Dead, cut a long story short, I booked the Dead Kennedys in my school cafeteria and almost got thrown out of college. Get
0: the fuck out of here! So
1: (laughs) that kind of set me on this path of, like, booking shows, and I booked, you know, you can look it up online, but I I booked 20 shows of... Black Flag and Dead Kennedys and Circle Jerks. And so that's the history I brought back to New York. You know, oh. I came back here. So and when I came here it was pretty, pretty cool. It was it was a weird time because it was the it was the crossover into speed metal, which I had experienced by seeing the Metallica guys at a at a very late era black flag show. So you could see this crossover happening, and I had been on a as a writer. One of my first gigs, I was out on the Slayer Rain and Blood tour, Jesus. and that was like reminded me of Dead Kennedy shows in terms of the ultra Yeah, so I was That's pretty a very punk record. That's what I mean. There was I, I totally connected with that. Yeah, there was no doubt. So when people were saying, "Oh, you know, I'm going alternative or whatever," I really that that did not interest me. I just wanted the most intense music. I just wanted more. Yeah. Whatever it was, I just wanted it amped up more. And like, you know, so, you, and then you had the scene, the other thing, this kind of, I, I had kind of a bad experience with agnostic front. The first time I dealt with them, and it, it probably overshadowed a lot of stuff with me with them, because I um, saw them with John Watson, mm-hmm. the original singer. And it sure. was on a bill with, uh, MDC and Minor Threat. Wow! And it was like, you know, they were a young band and they were not very good. And they couldn't hang, right. you know? So I, when I heard Agnostic Front was like the big band in New York, I didn't wasn't I didn't jump on that, but I did see the Chromatics. Mm-hmm. I can't, of course, came around on Agnostic Front. There's no. No
0: yeah, problem
1: with that part of the conversation I'm no. saying. But uh the band that first got me in New York was the Chromex.
0: With John singing? Was yeah, which John, singing? Singing? With John. Yeah, Of course, okay. yeah, the original yeah. lineup,
1: yeah. So I know Harley said that's not the original lineup. Right. But that's the, why I asked But that. the the one that made the first demo and the age of Shh. quarrel you know that band was ridiculous ridiculous well that was a ridiculous band that was like the most ridiculous band yeah. i've ever seen you know yeah. it's like and, and that the fact that they were able to and what made it more intense was i could tell you black flag was or wasn't a more intense band but they were p- still playing punk shows yeah these guys were like going into like metal arenas and just wrecking it, tearing up Yeah, yeah, Crazy. yeah. And I'll tell you that I remember Metallica showing up at a Chromag something show at Lamore. Like they came out to the show, and you know what? They did have. It wasn't long after that. They there was no more poodle hair, no more bullet belts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Once you see that. You know, you can't go back. Right. Poodle hair. Yeah, you know what (laughs) I'm saying? Of
0: course, I know exactly what you're saying.
1: (laughs) So, and that's why right in the middle of... So anyway, so I I made... I did the... um, I don't know where to take this right now, but um, uh, I will tell you that, uh, you know, the American Hardcore book obviously made a big impact, and I was um, working on the second edition and I was working on the film with Paul Rackman Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh, we the dark dirty secret of that was that while he we were editing really seminal like minor threat black flag bad brains footage I was cranking the hair metal writing American hair metal so we were listening to the most fucked up music (laughs) you can imagine and I wasn't looking for uh, like Bon Jovi. I was looking for the most, the rich. most
0: out there. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I saw the cover of American Hammer, and what's even makes me laugh even more is that I know that band. I had that cassette tape. I'm like, this guy has Nitro yeah. on the cover, and it's the cover of the OFR record, which stands for Out Fucking Rages. I was like, no way! I can't wait to talk to you about this book. Yeah, <laughs> awesome because I. I have an older sister, mm-hmm. so around that time in the late '80s, that's what she was into. Mm-hmm. So, and plus, you put on MTV, that's everywhere. So I was listening to it because it was just happened to be around. Mm-hmm. So, music. I knew everything mm-hmm. i would go i would take my little allowance and i would go to a little spot and i would buy whatever anything i wanted music i need music i want all kinds of music and then eventually i got into the heavier stuff you know mm-hmm. early testament and this and that and then i mm-hmm. found the hardcore stuff and then it was a rap from there i mean mm-hmm. do i still listen to anthrax on occasion absolutely mm-hmm. whatever i told you my girlfriend i'll put on like a friggin i don't know a Mr. Big Video. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Some hand metal silliness. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? But I'll tell you, man, I
1: you know, a lot of my friends were being hard and shit and I was be awesome chicks going to L.A. Guns and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know who what. You know what right. I'm saying? It was like... I don't know. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I lost a lot of pub credibility uh, putting that book out. But that was kind of like my... Uh... It's actually kind of interesting. I tried to approach it like... American Hardcore. Like, interview the guys. Right. And I interviewed Don Dokken. Okay. I can't remember who else I interviewed. That's the only
0: person you remember? uh, Yeah,
1: there was like three of them I remember. I'm trying to remember who the other ones were at this point. Um, One of the guys in Cinderella.
0: Tom Kiefer?
1: No, the other guy. I don't know.
0: They all had... had Yeah, but Tom
1: Kiefer is the main guy. Actually, I heard he's actually a very successful... Nashville songwriter now. Really? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I can't remember that. Anyway, so... But I stopped at a certain point because they were... American Hardcore, it works to do an oral history because the people are deep. Sure. You know, and it doesn't really... Cut the mustard with these guys, yeah. you know. So
0: they really tell a couple of stories on the Sunset Strip or whatever they, you that everyone knows, or any kind of,
1: and they kind of don't remember it correctly, like right because like, I read the article or I I met the person, talked to the manager, or, <laughs> yeah, or I know somebody who worked with them at the time, or so anyway. But that was that was actually a pretty successful book too. But uh definitely killed some punk credibility. You know? <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's yeah. awesome. You do what you wanted to do. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking
0: punk right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very punk. I thought it was the most punk thing I could do with the moment. Probably, yeah. 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 Well, you know, I showed up for the American Hardcore film premiere with my hair down to my ass. Really? You know, so that was kind of my fuck you, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... Um,
0: that was one of those six, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. So when did you chop your hair off? Probably about late seven early eight
0: okay wow yeah. Right.
1: yeah it was just like a real like one time uh, somebody came up to me and i was listening to some music and i was like you know kind of like probably listening to coc or something on my you know walking by and somebody said what are you listening to the grateful dead <laughs> and i'm like oh man Suck. Yeah, yeah, like yeah you guy. suck. Like, like the the idea is not working anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: like
1: sometimes the joke is on you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I felt. I did like a ten year thing where I just kind of like um, uh, was at war with the world. Uh huh. But get it, was, it but it fit. Yeah, and but that was all during the American Hardcore time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You. I mean, it. it you did several like you kind of like toured with it didn't
1: you yeah literally um it was funny because i just um well it wasn't funny but the only thing i really knew was to work it like a band yeah so that's really what it was really getting the van kind of mentality being me the great. editor of george petros i mean we went to seattle we were in Denver we were in of course LA I mean I I, I, we did like five weeks wow you know and when I came home the book was sold out so I knew we had something special but I knew I had something special early on yeah you know I was writing I really took it seriously in terms of you know there was a history that needed to be told absolutely you know um, we talked about all that early 80s stuff. I was telling you that about myself. And, uh, you know, I came to New York, and New York's a much more multifaceted thing, and I was journalist and editor and a DJ, and I, and I had, like, all this stuff going on. So I um, uh, always felt hardcore, right? but I never, I wasn't necessarily always listening to it, although <laughs> a lot of my writing assignments were it kept coming back to it. Everything came back to it. Yeah. You know, it's like, like all those best of Cro-Mags, Murphy's Law, like all the, I wrote the letter notes to all those things. Really? Yeah. So it's like, I, uh, I always got pulled back into punk and I, 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 uh, you know, my rap was, I've, I've moved on, but I never really did because then right. I'm very comfortable in that decision now.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. You know, but it, um, it really kind of helped me so when i wrote this i was um i understood what an important task i had you know i really like it, this history um aside from fanzines didn't really exist there were no books or films i mean there were some cult things about yeah, some, but... some some part some parts but know a lot of my history is out of like reading scene reports and maximum rock and roll yeah you know things like that and old you know I don't mean to not give credit to the other 20 great fanzines checked out but that's that's really I went back to my fanzine collection yeah you know and I went to friends houses and wrote down the catalog numbers of their singles in their collection because this stuff didn't exist yeah so that's you know, the whole history, all the records are there, you know, and, you know, people That's say, amazing. oh, you forgot so and so. You know, some guy actually said to me, you gave Arkansas short shrift? Arkansas?
0: Yeah, really, Arkansas. I'm like, yo. Yeah, Arkansas? Yeah, like, you know, come on. <laughs> well, I you. only talked on Arkansas <laughs> for a little bit. And I didn't have half of my book and yeah, documentary He's about like, did you
1: know about these four other bands? You know, you better get it right. wow but whatever you you can never make everyone happy (laughs) everyone's (laughs)
0: always gonna say some dumb shit
1: right so ridiculous but it was really important to tell it right the film was a film that a book is about facts and a film is about experience Mm -hmm. and our film was um you know the thing went to sundance which is like a miracle and, but it wasn't because they, they're fans of like HR of the bad brains or Henry Rollins right. or, or, you know, whatever, SSD control, you know, they're not, them. It, yeah. it's because they recognized that it was the story of subculture in the Reagan era. Yes. You know, that's it's why happened. it's 1980 to 1986, which is, that's that era. Yeah. You know, there's, where are, and there have been other stories told. Sure. You know, I think American Hardcore launched, you know, a whole genre of
0: books and films. Hands down. You know? Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I could name like a half a dozen right off the top of my head. Yeah. Easily. And they're still coming. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But listen, you were pretty much the springboard, the catalyst of doing all of that. Without a doubt. All mm-hmm. well, your archives and all that's amazing, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's all stuff I like collected. and You know, a lot of those things are just steps from my collection. You know? Yeah. So it's just, you know, I feel like, you know, I mean, hardcore is blood. Sure. You know, it's like it's something that's really deep. It's not it's not about, like, I was talking to somebody about, I had seen, we were talking about music of the 70s because I had just seen something on TV, like a Time Life ad. Okay. Like music, and I was amazed by how, it was the music was even worse than I remember.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, and the vibe and the clothes. The clothes terrible. Yeah. And the and the, the
1: the idea behind it and what they're singing about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean it's dreadful. It is it's, it's torture. Yeah. It is. So it's like I have like no problem with the decisions I've made. No. Really, I have no like embarrassing moments in my Right my listening history. You know what right. I'm saying? I have I have a record collection which there's nothing that's that's my life, you yeah. know, it's like I that's my history.
0: Um stupid question. How many records do you think you have off well, top of your head? Around ten yeah, thousand. Yeah, it's 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 a little something there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's you, a wall. It's a yeah, it's a wall.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I um you were saying how you got rid of all your records and oh, I remember God. My, my first wife I said just don't touch my records right and I basically I didn't even have a shower curtain after that
0: oh. <laughs> did she did yeah. that a joke or did she actually really take a shower curtain she did yeah that's awesome sorry to yeah. laugh at you but that's all you gotta be able to laugh at that uh, now yeah for sure <laughs> but
1: my I was, I was I was fucking records there. They were, my books and records were still there yeah. no, there's
0: no shower curtain no shower curtain that's amazing dude <laughs> it was addition by subtraction yes. yes that's awesome so, but,
1: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, music is a currency. I keep coming back to that, right. Because it's like, uh, I'm just, you know, just how you and I connect immediately, or, or like people around, um, this music has such a power. You know, as people talk, I don't want to get po- political, but when people are talking about politics, I think, they're really talking about culture because it's really culture that changes things. Sure. It's like, it's like what's, if you want to know what's changed the world, it's like rock and roll and punk rock and hip hop. Sure. That's done way more than like foreign policy or or like meetings at the UN or (laughs) yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, do you want to change the world? You know, I read this thing in, um, that Metallica play once every year, or two or three, in, is it Bahrain? I don't know, whatever country that borders Iran. And the reason they play there is because, like, 60,000 kids from Iran, like, tattooed rock kids, like, pour over the border to go see this show. I didn't know that. Right, so... You know, there's currency there. You know, oh, if like yeah, you want yeah. to change the world, bring put Metallica a oh, twelve-date sure. 12 tour of the Middle East.
0: Oh, you know yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure you're very well aware, and a lot of people yeah. that are listening are. But there's that. I mean, what was it? Where they were playing in Soviet Russia, mm-hmm. and and they don't even have an accurate amount of people that were there. Mm-hmm. It's like some people say close to a million people were there, mm-hmm. and it's like next thing you know, it's like it's all communist and all this, and but then. It's like as they're playing. It's like all of these militant guards and army men, like they have their hats off and they're crowd surfing. It's just yeah. like, yo, like yeah. what happened? It's like the mm-hmm. real life Rocky Four. Like mm-hmm. at the end, yeah. you know, they're chanting for Rocky. It's yeah. crazy in Russia. It's crazy. So it's it's powerful shit, man. It does things to people.
1: Mm-hmm. It's awesome, mm-hmm. and that's why I keep uh, doing it. For well, you want to start feeling all. Feel at your age. Uh, next year is the twentieth anniversary of the first edition. Wow! And uh, I'm going to do an audio book for that, where I'm going to put snippets from the original audio taped interviews. Awesome!
0: Yeah, that's great, man. Mm-hmm. So
1: instead of doing like another edition, I thought that was like a cooler way to do it. Yeah. Why it's not? Like, yeah, it's like interactive. You know, wow. kind God. stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's I like wish. I mean. I do read on occasion, but I'm always so on the go. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit I'll listen to an audio book. Cause I listen to podcasts a lot all the time. Mm-hmm. So I listen to an audio book mm-hmm. in a heartbeat, man. Mm-hmm. I'll be a train ride and this and that. Without a doubt. When is it coming out?
1: it'll be out for next fall when it comes out. Now, this is interesting is that, uh, of course we remember September 11th, 2001. Sure. Uh, So I I got my first copy of American Hardcore on September 10th. Oh, shit. I didn't even, and you know, what life was like here. You know, I didn't even know what survival was going to be. Yeah. Let alone touring. (laughs) And I I had been booked the tour, so I, you know, I left about less than a month later. Wow. And a lot of people, I was the first New Yorker they saw. (sighs) That's yeah. fucking heavy, man. That was very heavy. You know? yeah. The whole thing was very heavy. You know, yeah. just writing this book. I have a funny story. It was what I was uh, working on. I still think about this. Um, the book came out in 2001, so this would probably be about eight, uh, 98, 99. Okay. Uh, I had an agent. I knew the, the agent. Um, I knew the publisher of Feral House well. Adam Parfrey was a was a friend, um, but he knew that I told him I was going to go look at some majors. He said, "You're not going to get any interest, but you go try." So <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I got don't this. underestimate the right. kid. So I, so I hired this agent, and he actually had a deal for me. It was right after this divorce, so I really needed money because I was bro- I'm right literally writing this book broke. It's like all I had was the belief in this like idea of of uh, hardcore and uh I sit down for one of my final meetings I met the head of the company and he said who are we going to put on the cover the Debbie Harry
0: maybe oh come on and I, was like, man. <laughs> and I stop it yeah and I pulled out of
1: the deal and I almost got sued by the agent you know, really so there was a lot of money on the table mm-hmm. but I could not do that right I couldn't do that to hardcore. No. You know, there was a lot of times when we were making the film. Uh, I'm sorry, when we were finishing the film and delivering it to Sony, who was the ones who put it in the theaters mm-hmm. and made it into the DVD. Um, there were, like, legal issues that, like, they would ask for, like, like, the legal rights to Henry Rollins or something. And I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get the fuck out Like, really? I'll, I'll pick up, I'll leave now. Just yeah. Get, don't even try that with me. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it's because they just figured they'd ask because
0: they're motherfuckers. Yeah. You know? Henry right. didn't have a problem. Henry was in the damn thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, really? No, they
1: were, like, asking for, like, rights of, you know, his life rights and stuff. And I'm like, Dude, well, how could you even ask? I mean, you don't even know who you're talking to or yeah. what this is about. And you're just putting your ugly history of bad, ugly business like, and shoving it in my face. Yeah. And I was like, so you got to be really tough about this and you got to be very realistic about it. Sure. And it's like, this is still, you know, I mean, American Hardcore was a runaway success because it.
0: It's yeah, I watched so it like two
1: weeks ago again yeah. for
0: I don't know how many times. Yeah. I have the DVD for the yeah. longest.
1: Yeah. It, was, and it was deep. You know, making that was like really like, you know, we poured our hearts into that, you know? And it's like, I believe in all that. So it's like, you know, the film is not about naming all the facts or it was just about what was the time capsule. Sure. You know, everything is about a time capsule. You read the American Hardcore book, I mean, maybe there's a 1988 quote or something in there, but other than that, it's like a total, yeah, timepiece. Yeah, and I think that's what I could offer as a historian, you know. And I don't, you know, maybe I'm not a true historian. That I'm, you know, not a professor somewhere.
0: Dude, you're a hardcore. You're a hardcore kid. Yeah, yeah. You're a hardcore kid that made an amazing fucking film and wrote a great book. Mm-hmm. It's like. And of course, you're gonna have this. Oh, everyone has some dumb shit to say. You try it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they would have been like, "Oh, you're W. Harry." They would have yeah. did that. Yeah. and it never would have gotten off the ground because you would have caught so much shit yeah, yeah. if you would have decided to do that. No uh, way. It, it was it was it was just a odd issue It was a uh, nod story Of but, course, yeah. uh, without a doubt. <laughs> Crazy. So I see you have a couple of books over there. Like you also did New York Rock and Lost Rock Lost Rockers. Is super interesting. Yeah. So, um, because you, you, you put shine onto people that slip through the cracks, right? Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, you know, after American Hardcore, I started thinking of like all my conversations were about, uh, people who had, um, oh, isn't that a great guy? He, Used to play with so and so. You don't remember him, but he did this and he did that and he did that. Huh. So you know, you've had those conversations. Of yeah. so, so that's this is what that book is about. It's great, so, though. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, yeah. Thank you. It's um, uh, I'll give you whatever you want to from these. Wow. Uh, I, yeah. I want
0: to talk. I want to. Oh, yeah. I want to know more about them and talk about them. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, but uh,
1: um. But uh. So anyway that was the great search of musicians who fell through the cracks of history. People who had been on a big level, but for some reason it just didn't work out. You mm-hmm. know, they were connected, they had huge connections, they were on the verge, they may have written one song that you know. Or oh, they got robbed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Completely yeah, yeah. <laughs> robbed. Literally, literally. Literally robbed. Yeah, you literally get your stuff stolen. Jimmy Page. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, um, told, so Jake Holmes wrote "Dazed and Confused, which is what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were interviewing Jake, uh, I was interviewing Jake and, um, he kind of got to know, yeah, I know, I know him kind of well, and about the second or third time I saw him, we were like, you should sue him. You know, it's like, cause he's like, uh, uh, I don't know if you know the story, but Jake Holmes uh, was... Ended up, he didn't need the money because he wrote jingles. He wrote like Army Be All You Could Be or I'm a Pepper, You're a Pepper or really? Gillette, A Best a Man Could Get. Like like really famous stuff.
0: Really? See, so, I didn't know that. And yeah. the, the people listening have been probably, oh, some people might, but.
1: Yeah, so he was like a folk singer from the, the 60s and. He wrote this song called "Dazed and Confused," and he was opening for this band called the Yardbirds, Uh who, of course, later became Led Zeppelin. Uh And the story goes that that uh, Jimmy Page had sent someone over to Bleecker Bob to go buy the record, and Uh they changed, switched up the words, but not not really. They still called it "Dazed and Confused." Yeah, which I thought was pretty ballsy to rewrite the words. Sure. Although, honestly, you know, Led Zeppelin did a far better version. Right. You know, I mean, there's no argument about that. still robbery. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, so these are like the raw, ugly stories of rock and roll. Yeah. So that was a fun one to
0: write. Yeah. Lost Rockers, Broken Dreams, and Crash Careers. It's available on Amazon and everywhere, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, awesome. For sure. Just for, so people, you
1: know. Yeah. And then I wrote New York up. Rock. Yeah. And the rise of the underground to the fall of CBGBs. Ah, oh, Jesus. So that's a whole treatise and probably a whole conversation in itself. But, yeah. But, uh, and it covers New York hardcore. Um, and, of course, along with American hardcore, American hair metal. So it's not a bad gig for the past uh, that's my last 20 years of my life
0: yeah. that's great though man I mean, I, is there ever going to be a documentary on american handmail <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know i looked into it i don't think i could do it financially really it's i like, would love for you business. to do that oh yeah well no you'd have to deal with like mtv or capital Records. Oh, the, the whole... reason we could do american hardcore movie was because at the end of the day if you won a black flag slug you talked to greg Gibb. if you wanted to Minor Threat song. You talk to Id Bakai. Yeah. You know, I think the only song we had to buy was a Bad brain song. Right. Like literally everybody was like, you know, you need a TSOL song. You talk to those guys. Yeah. Talked. You know. So i
0: show sure nine out of ten of like, yeah, sure, dude. Of course. And yeah. everyone
1: got paid. And yeah, you know, you know, it was it was actually a very fair deal. Yeah. So uh,
0: just like hardcore. Reasonable. Yeah. Reasonable, accessible people. Mm-hmm. It's great. man yeah. What do you got working on now? Working on anything? Uh,
1: the conversation's too long. <laughs>
0: uh, but I'm starting a, a
1: podcast series. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so um, The Art of the Interview. Yes. As we talked about. Yeah. And uh, I am also going to be, it is going to be part of a podcast network. Awesome. So there's going to be four podcasts. Okay. And is one. it your network? Are you creating yes, network? Yes, i calling it Blush Media Group. Okay. And Great. Yeah. And it's um, Art of the Interview. It's interviews – I have just an incredible collection of interviews I did for over the years. So, like, what do I do with my, you know, Led Zeppelin or Kurt Cobain or, you know, Chris Cornell or, you know, or Barry White or George Clinton or – yeah. So I'm calling that – So great – that's rock history one Oh one from the vaults. Wow, dude. And, um, I, uh, also, um, work with, I don't know if you know, but I have this whole gig where I write for the New York jets football
0: team. Um, I'm so it's like, a... I I kind of know a little bit cause I went to the website and yeah, I was yeah. looking and, uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm a long time diehard, very frustrated, miserable Jets fan. I, know. I really am. I really want to make a
1: documentary about that particular subject. To be honest with you, oh. just like the misery. You don't have to
0: pay me a dime. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in all day if you want. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah well, my idea is, like, yeah, I have like
0: a therapist. And... Dude, that's why. I congratulate I say congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, because I understand the drought yeah. and how their fan base. Fifty years, man. You know, so yeah. Congratulations to the yeah. Chiefs and their fans for finally lifting that. Because listen, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. sports guy, really. You know, I, I was. I'm, I'm a big Yankee fan. I was bigger in the '90s and stuff. I don't know. It's. I gave the Yankees every single range of emotion that I could possibly have yeah. from the '80s when they stunk, and the '90s where you know the whole Don Mattingly, and then and then the whole dynasty. And then the whole collapse in Boston and the, against the Diamondbacks and all that. So I gave them every range of emotion. So I watch this casually,
1: but you yeah, know you'll laugh. I'll show you later my whole stack of uh, Yankee
0: shirts. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, nice. Oh, so you're a Yankee Jet yeah. fan too? Yeah, all right, awesome. It, yeah. it, it's it, they're not far and few between, but it's less than yeah. like Jets Mets. Yeah, for sure. You know. for sure. Yeah, I'm a Yankees Jets fan as well, and I, I'm not a greedy person. I don't ask for much. I don't, I don't want a dynasty. I don't care. I just want one. Mm-hmm. In my lifetime, I just want one Jets Super Bowl mm-hmm. victory. Yep. That's it. And I'll be good. I'll be good. I don't care what happens. Yep. But any other team ever, I want that one. Because that was in 69 they won Super Bowl three. Mm-hmm. It was six years before I was born. Mm-hmm. I was a
1: little too young to absorb it yeah yeah i was uh, it's
0: it's a thing man it's the only thing sports related it's the only thing make me happy i'll be completely satisfied
1: right so the the other one of my uh podcasts and these all uh launch in march okay um is uh it's called jets nets and sets (laughs) hardcore sports
0: really yeah awesome yeah
1: so tony mann who's worked with me on a bunch of the books here um and I are starting all that and that launches somewhere soon after we uh this uh broadcast.
0: Awesome. That's great, man. Now you have like a website, all that stuff, and you know, blush media.
1: Yeah, yeah blushmedia group. Group dot com. Dot com. Or you go to stephenblush dot com.
0: I don't know. You'll probably throw up an Instagram thing about yeah. it yeah. At the Stephen Blush. Yeah, at the Stephen Blush. Mm -hmm. So there you'll find me.
1: And uh, support these podcasts, you know, because you're doing good stuff here.
0: Thanks, man. Listen, I do it like before before we started taping, recording, Mm -hmm. taping. Let's see. I'm taping. Um, You know, I do it to have a conversation with people that I normally wouldn't have the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. So I have fun doing it. I don't make a dime off it. I just came from work. I just came here. And uh, that was that, you know. This is awesome, man. I appreciate it. appreciate it. Um, Real quick, just go to the Brooklyn Blast Furnace on Instagram. Hit the link in that bio. That'll open up a different page where you can find every single podcast platform where you can listen to all the social media stuff, to Doc Satellite Media, all that stuff. Um, I'm on Patreon if you want. There's three different tiers. You don't have to go on it. This will always be free. If you want to five bucks, ten bucks, or twenty, and you get stuff for it, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. This will still be coming out every week as long as I can possibly do it. Um, I do have a couple of shirts here and there. I do have. There's a young skateboarder kid. He's, he's eleven years old. He started when he was four. His name is Jackson Cutick, and I just created a shirt for him. And I did a couple of podcasts ago, with him and his dad, we did it actually downstairs in the basement, Generation Records. They came nice. all the way from Syracuse wow. to come and talk to me. Because this kid's awesome. He's a little skateboarder, and he's been on a board since he's four, and all he wants to do is become a pro skater. And his father's the most supportive person ever. So what I did was I created a shirt, and every single dime, I don't make a dime off it, everything goes to him in order for him to help, like, with travel expenses, going to tournaments and stuff like that, just to hopefully try to help this kid. I mean, he wants to become a pro skater. So whatever. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. So, you know, help out the help out the kids, yeah. you know? The broken blast furnaces is for the children, man. You know? Who'd have, who'd have <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? Go figure. Well, being a father, I get it. I yeah. get it, you know, the drive in this kid and the whole parental thing that they got going on. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Um are we allowed to or can we end this with a particular song? Uh-huh. Maybe from I don't know if uh, am I allowed to like put a song from like the the soundtrack or, or whatever without getting in trouble?
1: I don't know. I actually don't know what the legal thing of podcasts are with that. I mean, I could certainly give you a, I could give you a song. Um,
0: well, I, I have. Yeah, so yeah. Whatever it is, I have it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you want to end with, I don't know. Of, I, I yeah. don't think we would get in trouble if we put, like, an SSD song or something. But I don't yeah. think so. You know what yeah. I mean? Black Flag, maybe. I don't know. Because Henry Ronald, uh, yeah. I don't know. You're yeah, out of
1: vogue. Middle class.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll throw a couple. A, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll throw I'll throw a few I'll make sure I'll, I'll, yeah I'll, just I would I would not do the big the quote unquote bigger more. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna throw a bad brain song I'm not yeah. gonna throw a black flag song yeah. but I'll throw a, I'll throw a couple yeah that was my that's, that was my mix that whole soundtrack yeah that whole soundtrack is ridiculous yeah, from great. beginning to end that's my mix yeah it's great yeah, yeah. it's it's like top notch soundtrack shit yeah, like timeless. Awesome. That one little capsule, really? man. It's fucking timeless. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, dude, thank you again so much. This was great, man. Yeah. And Brooklyn went, Blast Furnace. The Brooklyn Blast Furnace yeah. here on the West Village. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna close up now and I'm gonna go take a look at your little record collection real quick. You got that. Thanks again, dude. Right, go. We're over here now.